0: This is the Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Will Mills Baptist Church. Good morning, welcome back to the Faithful Expositor. We've taken a few weeks off for various reasons, and as you've probably already noticed, uh, this is not Joe Carpenter. This is Ryan Tillman
1: uh, checking in with Brother Jono. Pastor. How are you doing this morning? We just prayed before we came on and kind of raised an Ebenezer here that we're still standing, thank the Lord, Mm -hmm. and God's brought us safe this far. Uh, We've kind of had an outbreak of, you know, the Delta variant in our church and pretty much took our entire staff out a year back, Mm -hmm. and now Joe and his family are struggling with with this COVID, and we've got a lot of folks in our church that have it. So far, thankfully, nobody, you know, real, real sick, Mm -hmm. but it's really affected, um, you know, ministry, as it is all churches right now, but thank God we're still up, we're still going, and we're right. able to be here today and able to do some ministry, and especially this podcast. Yeah, I, I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about counsel
0: for the young pastor, uh, and as a young pastor, just 30 years old, and uh, not just young in age, but young in ministry, uh, serving for three years now at Shelbyville Mills. I'm anxious to just glean everything I can uh, and hear your wisdom and advice uh, from personal experience, but also from the scriptures. So let's, let's jump right in. Uh, we've got kind of a list of questions here we just want to talk through um, on this episode of the podcast. And the first one is this, what should the early years of pastoring look like?
1: You know, there's so many things that pop into my mind. We could really spend the whole time right here, but... My heart goes out to the young man out there that he's got a divine call from God on his life. There's no doubt about it. God has called him, but he's kind of all alone, and that's kind of where I was. It's a sad thing in a way, and so many mistakes are made because the wheel is having to be reinvented. And the best thing that I would say to a young guy listening is if you can find a solid brother that's got some battle scars, that he's tested and time-proven, he's been faithful in the local church, he's been faithful in his family, he's rightly divided the word of truth, reach out to that brother, say, hey, I want to go out to eat lunch with you once a month or as often as we can, I need your guidance, I need you to help me to keep from making mistakes. I need your reproofs. I need your correction. Will you do that for me? And when I was in the ministry as a young pastor, I was called. I loved Jesus. I, I knew this was what God had, had called me to do. But I was green as a gourd. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. And I remember telling Kayla, you know, if God blesses me and gives me a long ministry, I'm going to see to it that none of the men under me ever are there, or any men that I know. I want to be there for them. I want to be available to them. I want to help them so that they don't have to repeat some of the mistakes I made. And I know that's just kind of general, but that would be the first thing that would leap off the page to me is get an. now, just an older brother is not what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Because there's a lot of older men that never really did pay the price, Mm. and all they're going to give you is sentimentalism and reflection and, you know, just some uh, general counsel. Look for the scars. Yeah. You know, Paul could pull his shirt up and say, I bear in my body the brands, the marks of the Lord Jesus, and you want a guy that's been out there on the front line Mm. and, and has lived to tell. And so that would be one of the first things, you know, in the early days that I would say. And I know a lot of these questions may overlap, and that's okay. You know, let's just talk. But Mm -hmm. um, in the early years, the first thing that I would say to the young pastor, because you, you come in, you've been to some conferences, you've read some books, you've heard some podcasts, you've... You know, been to some meetings, and you've got all these ideas going off in your mind, and you've got a lot of zeal, and you've got a lot of energy, and that's good. We want you to be energetic. We want you to be zealous. But what I would say is that early on, you have really almost got to put all your eggs into one basket. It's going to take every bit of energy you've got to begin to establish biblical authority in the church. Is that the basket? That is the basket. Everything that you'll ever do from that point forward will come out of that basket. Mm -hmm. That'll be the stronghold from which you launch your offenses for the rest of your ministry, even when you get to be my age and older. So I would say to a brother, try to resist the temptation to go in and... You know, initiate all these new ideas you have. Um, That's typically where a young pastor gets into trouble. Mm. And establish biblical authority. Get to know the people. Mm. Let them see that you love them. Let them see that you care. Little things that are so hard to teach, Mm. but look people in the eye, shake their hand, hug them. Tell them you love them and mean it. Don't let people pass by you coming into church without speaking to them. They're sheep. They're people. They're they, they. You're their shepherd, and they're looking to you for you know acceptance and guidance. And so those will be the huge things. And again, and you can ask me anything about that you want to. But in those early years, have a mentor. Listen to him take his counsel do what he tells you to do establish biblical authority right up front and and by beginning expository ministry immediately you know rightly dividing the word of truth and then be very loving and very personable and very accessible as much as possible mm. and very open to the people and loving them and you know weeping when they weep Rejoicing when they rejoice and uh, experiencing life with them.
0: I know know that's kind of
1: general, but. Mm -hmm.
0: I know for me, and not just in the three years I've been pastoring, but really the seven years I've been at Shelbyville Mills as a church member, seven, eight years now. um, And the thing that's kind of left off the page and seeing these things come to fruition Mm -hmm. is the True Church Conference. Yes. Is anchored in Truth Ministries. Right. Um, because I've been to that conference and I've heard Jonathan Sims, I've heard Jeff Noblet, I've heard Barry King, I, I've heard all these men preach the word and preach these things and, and not just preach them but teach them. How, you know, looking back, uh, how would the True Church Conference and Anchoring in Truth been beneficial for you in those early years of your ministry?
1: Man, it would have been the difference between night and day. I mean, it would have been the difference between ministry being, you know, a impacted wisdom tooth, throbbing and throbbing and hurting and hurting, to not feeling alone, not feeling isolated, not feeling like it's me versus the world. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the things that my heart just yearns to say to young pastors. We're not trying to grow an organization. (laughs) We're not trying to – start a new denomination. have no interest in that at all. But by coming to the True Church Conference, by being affiliated with Anchored in Truth, it would naturally do what I've just said. You would make those connections. You would make those ministry connections. Um, I can't tell you what it would benefit a young pastor to sit down with Jason Johns, to sit down with – Derek Melton to sit down with Brett Beasley. And you can meet these guys, just common ordinary men, but they've been, you know, battle proven, battle tested pastors of a local church for decades. My friend Randall Easter. Mm-hmm. And there's so many guys in our network that I'm just kind of naming off the top of my head that could sit down with a young man and love on him and have lunch with him and. Maybe sometimes him and his wife go out to eat lunch with them, and and just pour into him, you know, decades of what they've learned about ministry. It would it would have saved me from making some bonehead. Mm. I mean, most of the problems I had early on, brother, were my zeal got way out in front of my experience and my knowledge, and I saw people as an end to my a, a means to the ends that I already decided I wanted to Mm. get to, and the people could see that. Mm. And they felt it, and it was not genuine, and I wish I'd have had an older brother that could set me down. When Brother Jeff came into my life later on, man, he started that immediately. And he would just reprove me and rebuke me, uh, you know, very sternly. And it saved my ministry in many ways. But it would be so important for a brother to have that type of a fellowship. Because mm-hmm.
0: there are those pastors. I think of Chris Shepard. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, he's the one that's come to my mind because yes. he has constantly just reminded me of how blessed I am to be here underneath your ministry with Brother Joe in Anchored in Truth. I mean, yeah. just a, a really important piece um, to all that uh, because Chris is out in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. He's not by himself. He's He's got some good men with him, but there yep. was a time in his life when he was alone.
1: Absolutely, and he's fought a hard-fought battle, mm. and he's proven his character, mm. and he's proven that he's a man of integrity. These are the men that have something to say. That's why I say you don't just reach out to a guy because of his age. Mm. You reach out to a guy because of his age and experience and his age in miles and his age in battles and right. his age in faithfulness and steadfastness. And we've got – you know, they say if you have one true friend, you're blessed indeed. Brother, I have, I have dozens and I, of men that I love, that I can trust, that I can call. It's so important to have that. that that's so vital to a young pastor. Yeah. Amen. And kind of going back to uh, biblical authority,
0: how, what are the means by which that pastor establishes biblical
1: authority? It's kind of on here in the question, in yeah. another question, but day one, brother, you know, I mean, you might, uh, you know, your first week on the field or whatever, might just preach a little introductory message or something, but. I just remember when I came to Shelbyville Mills, I think it was my second week, I told the church, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. I plan on preaching verse by verse through this great book of the Bible, and off we went. And it's never been anything but that since Mm -hmm. that second week. I would just say to a brother, you know, maybe take that first Sunday to explain to the church what expository preaching is, and then say, I'm going to model this for you for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know but go in and introduce a book of the Bible and just start taking that book verse by verse, word by word, line by line, precept upon precept, and you'll be amazed at how the sheep come alive and how the goats are you know, removed mm. from the fellowship. And I, that's how you establish biblical authority, is you preach it and you rightly divide the word and then you model it in the way that you live you it's hard to preach biblical authority if if the word of god doesn't have any authority in your life Mm -hmm. you know i'm reading through psalm 119 and this morning's section uh talked about order my steps through your commandments and that's what our lives should look like we should be preaching biblical authority to the congregation, but it should be being modeled mm. in the way we live our lives. It should be mastering my attitude. It should be mastering my temperament. It should be mastering my, the way I manage my home, my finances, the way I you know, deal with anger, the way I deal with love, the, the way I deal with crisis situations, the way I deal with problems in the church it it's showing that my life is regulated by the word of God mm-hmm. so it's it's so important to teach it but it's equally important to model it mm-hmm. in the way you live your life what about the price i mean that that's going to come with a heavy
0: price uh to pay and what was that like in the early years of your ministry <clears throat> and, and not just here but you know coming out of texas coming out of southwestern well
1: i would hope that There would have already been a great price paid, and by that I mean that when Jesus saved me, I understood that it meant that I had to lay everything down, and I did, and I then realized when he called me that it even meant more that I was his and that in my heart and in my mind, I was already yielded. To whatever the cost may be, and then to just started paying it in installments. But the matter was already resolved in my heart, and it was already resolved in my mind that Jesus is my master, and I'm his slave, and as so, I have no rights, I'm his, and wherever you lead me, I'll go, and whatever price you call me to pay, I'll pay. So there needs to be that initial surrender and that breaking. And that humbling where a guy realizes I'm an owned man, uh, have a master, and he can command me and lead me wherever he wants to. And you need to have it settled in your mind and in your heart as much as you can that there is no price that the Lord could ask me to pay that's too high Mm. in light of the price that he paid for me. So coming into this thing called Christianity. And coming into this thing called gospel ministry is about an old rugged cross. And it's there where Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet Mm. it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. And this life, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. So it's the crucified life, brother. It's death, burial, and resurrection on a daily basis and being yielded and, and and surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. And then as those battles begin to come, there's a daily dying. Hmm. Paul said, I die daily, and a daily yielding and a submitting to Christ as Lord. But I'm not making light of it. They can be unbelievably intense. I was thinking this morning on my drive-in, I don't know why just back through some of the things that I've been through here and some things that have been said to me and some things that have been done to me and and it's, it's some of them were extremely extremely difficult but I would always go back to the fact that you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin the writer of hebrews says mm-hmm. so when I would compare it to the cross I would remember this is nothing compared to the agonia uh, the agony that Jesus faced to run the race for me, so that now I could join in that race. Mm-hmm. So I know again that's general, but there needs to be that dying up front and that yielding up front and that surrendering. You need to let go of your rights and not be touchy and easily irritated and offended because you've been called to a cross yeah. a c- and you're called to bear it. Yeah,
0: and when we Obediently follow God in that He He honors that, and you've seen that in your ministry here. I know you've reminded uh, us uh, through the years that you became the pastor of our church at year ten. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and for you know at least ten years, uh, paid some heavy heavy prices um, in that. But what about the fruit that's come from paying
1: those prices from being obedient? How is God? Well blessed you, you. You take a plow and you go out and you just tear the ground all to pieces. It just looks awful. And you rip it up and you then you put seed down in it, you know, and and then it's watered and it begins to grow. And all I can tell you, brother, is that the Lord doesn't do much in a man's life without plowing up ground mm-hmm. and it's painful. And it hurts, and he's breaking strongholds, and he's breaking mindsets, and he's plowing up old heart places of the heart and pulling out massive roots. And when you pull up a big root, it just man, it just tears everything Mm -hmm. up. And but he's getting that ground fertile and he's getting it rich and that soil to as he says in John ten, to bear lasting fruit, Mm -hmm. to go forth and bear fruit that remains. That'd be another word that I'd say to the young pastor is don't think the sky's falling today because it's so intense, the fruit that comes of this on down the road is worth it. Mm. It's worth every struggle. You never arrive. But there is a place, I want to say emphatically, a guy needs to hear me today, there is a place, it does exist, of an enjoyable ministry. There is a place called rewarding ministry. There is a place where you can gain positive ground. There is a place where you can be respected and honored and revered as a man of God. And there is a place where people will joyfully and lovingly follow you, but it's not coming early. Nope. It's not coming in the early years. And I think the problem is a lot of guys want instant respect. They want instant submission. And, you know, I've thought about this many times, Ryan. I'm, I'm not real old. But I'm 57, and let's say, look at a guy that's maybe 61, 62, 63 years old. He's raised children. He's raised grandchildren. He's full of wisdom. um, And all of a sudden, in comes to the church a 24-year-old, 25. I was 25 years old when I pastored New Heights Baptist Church in Crowley, Texas. And there's men out there literally old enough to be my grandfather, and now, all of a sudden, I'm their pastor. Mm. I, I can only tell you that I'm 57, but if I was that 65-year-old guy and a young guy walks in and says, you submit to me because I'm the pastor, brother, my hackles would go up. Mm. Everything within me would say, wait a minute now, you know, you, you got a lot to learn here. And and so I think a lot of guys make that mistake. They want yeah. instant success, instant following. And it just demands patience, brother. It it just demands patience that you wait on the Lord. Yeah. Well, the world
0: tells us three year Mm -hmm. plans, five year plans, and and we come and you know bring a business mindset to the ministry, an entrepreneurial CEO uh, of a company, and and we take you know that wisdom from the world and try to apply it to the church, and it just It doesn't work, and that's you know you and Brother Jeff and the other men uh, in our Anchored in Truth Network are constantly reminding uh, all of us pastors out there. And it it was a 20-year plan, but I think it's moved to a 40-year, at least in Brother Jeff's mind, Mm -hmm. a 40-year plan. But why is having that long-term
1: plan as a young pastor so important? Because Seeing a church liberated from so many wrong mindsets and anchored on Christ and on truth, you got maybe one of those in your lifetime, mm. uh, which is why it's so important to stay in a church. I don't have enough gas left in me, brother, to do this again. I'm just being honest mm-hmm. with you. I, uh, there, you know, I, I'm running out of time, and it just takes time. It takes a lot of time, and. John MacArthur says when he went to Grace Community Church, his dad's sat him down and said, John, you need to look at this like a marriage. I believe that. Yeah. And you think about your marriage, it wasn't everything it is today in year number one. And so it just takes great patience to see a church mature to where they can think biblically and here's what I'd say, and act biblically yeah. and actually apply truth. And that pastor has got to be patient. And I'll be honest, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. It's going to be ugly in the early years. It's just not going to be the dream you have of ministry. It's just sometimes not very pretty at mm. all. But you've got to be patient and 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 wait for the uh, latter fruit, mm-hmm. which is so enjoyable on down the road, if, if you'll be patient and let Jesus mature that church and grow that church. Yeah. And one of the things you said stimulated a thought, and that would be – if you want to be in the corporate world, go for it. That's mm-hmm. great. But if you're called from God, you better not have that model in your mind. Yeah. Uh, you know what's my package going to be? What's my four hundred one k going to be? And and I, I, we need to dedicate a whole podcast to taking care of the pastor. And there's a right and a just way to pay him. Mm-hmm. And and the Bible's very specific about that. But I mean, in those early years, I was just happy to ha- I was just happy to be able to sit down and have another meal. I mean, that's how tight it was. Yeah. And we struggled and it was very, very lean with five kids. Kayla and I look back and think, how in the world? I mean, it's just a miracle of really daily bread mm-hmm. for God to sustain us. But I think all of that was used of God to break me of being charmed by the world and allured by all that it has to offer and, um, you know, just letting Jesus be my chief joy. Yeah. And now, I'm 57, and we got a little bit more breathing room than we've ever had before. Certainly not rich by any means, but brother, it just doesn't appeal to Mm. me. There's just not not really much this world has that interests me. uh, Christ is my chief joy, and I love the church. And I just figure if I get up, I woke up this morning. I thought, well, I got another day. Mm. Amen. And um, you know, praise God, I'm going to try to use it for His glory. And so I, I think some of these mindsets and maturity only comes through just being patient and mm-hmm. time and having an older brother and older brothers to help guide you down that path. Yep. Yeah. And I you know, just to add on to that, I
0: can't emphasize enough how important it is to really examine a man's life and make sure he he's paid those prices. He's yeah. he's fought those battles and he's won those wars. Yeah. Uh, because unfortunately modern evangelicalism, especially modern Baptist life Has you know painted the glimmering you know
1: huge church large salary you know picture in front of us. If I don't say this now, I will forget it. But when right now and ten years from now, if the Lord's gracious, twenty years from now, if the Lord's gracious, I'll be at that forty-plus year mark uh, here at Shelbyville Mills. The showcase for who I am or who I've been will only be Kayla, Emily, Amy, Julie, Nathan, Ashley, and now Eleanor and Brooks and Audrey and Max, and the other great indicator Mm. of who I am will be Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church. That's right. That's it. It's not grandeur. It's not how many books have I read. It's not how many books have I written. It's not how many conferences have I spoken at. It's not how many followers I have on whatever social platform I might be on. The only thing that matters, this church will reflect what kind of Christian I am. That's right. This church will reflect what kind of pastor I am. And you won't have to look at anything else. No. And the same's true with my family. Yeah. And I would just say to a brother, please have that mindset. God's not going to look at anything else. There's nothing greater than the church, brother. Mm-hmm. these guys have visions of grandeur that maybe I could get here or get there or have this position one day at the seminary or have this denominational position in an agency or whatever or mm-hmm. be over this or be over that. Man, I, I, I consider that as Paul said, dung. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, those are the things Paul had that he that he, you know, gave away for Jesus. Yeah. Pour your life into your family. Yeah. Pour your life into the church, and leave behind a legacy of a healthy church. Amen. And that takes a lifetime. Yeah. You you won't have time for anything else. You're not going to be able to be the president of the ministerial association. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to be involved in 12 committees that you serve on. It's going to take every bit of time, energy, and effort you have. Keep it simple, brother, Yeah. to love your family and pastor your church. And when you think about it, that's really all God called you to do. Yeah, that's right.
0: And especially if you want to not die of a heart attack at 60 or 30 30 yeah yeah and that kind of leads into uh, looking at the young pastor and his time with his family yeah uh, because it can't be overwhelming there's always something to do yeah. always and that never ends but how important is it for the young pastor to to close his commentaries close his study books close his notes or close account whatever he's yeah. doing go home in mm-hmm. a decent time be there for his family, take his breaks,
1: how important are all those things? Top of the list. And it's very easy, brother, like I said earlier, the same way I said you should love the church, when you walk through the church, you speak to them, you greet them, you love them, you hug them, you shake their hands, you're one of them. That's not something that I try to do. It's just who I am. It's a work that Jesus did in my heart through regeneration. So I tried to be that way with Emily. I tried to be that way with Amy. I I blew it sometimes. I tried to be that way with Nathan. Me and Nate just spent all day together yesterday, and I tried to be that way with Ashley, and tried to be that way with Julie, and I tried to be that way with my grandkids. I just love them. I'm not having to work at it. Mm -hmm. I just love them, and, and therefore I want to be with them. And so, you know, I remember I was at a Cascade. Ball game, my girls and my son went to Cascade School out here in the county, and I was sitting up in the stands at a basketball game and the man that built our house, his mother was sitting by me and Kayla, and they're members of a another church somewhere over in another county and she said, "Brother Sims, I've noticed something about you, and I said, "Yes, ma'am, and she said, "You're at every ball game." You're at your kids' uh band concerts she said, "I wish you'd sit down and talk to my preacher. all he does is is work 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 work, and he's never there for his kids and he's never there for his family and I thought, man, what a tragedy mm-hmm. that and that guy I thought that guy won't be in the ministry long and you know what sure enough a couple of years he's out he was completely out and i'm i i simplicity that's another thing I'm getting from psalm 119 i read it this morning there's Mm -hmm. just something about simplicity treasuring god treasuring his commands and trying to walk them out and here david young says all the time he says if you were a white-tailed deer i could kill you the first morning because you're so (laughs) easy to pattern (laughs) you know when we pattern a a buck we're going to kill that buck. Mm -hmm. and david said i'm so easy to pattern and i guess i am i live a pretty simple life and here's the deal i'm either at church or i'm with my family amen Sometimes I'll what slip a off. a terrible and, pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll slip off and ride my bike. Sometimes I'll take my bow and go hunt for a little while. But uh, if the Lord took those things away, it'd be all right If, if long as, as long as I've got the church and mm-hmm. as long as I've got my family. So why do so many young pastors
0: just. It's all church, and the family gets neglected. The family gets cast down on the altar of ministry, um, sacrificed there.
1: Uh, why? Does that seem to just happen so much? P R I D E. Important Titus is what I call it. It's a Messiah complex. It's the same mindset Satan had when he said, I will exalt myself above the stars, I will be like the Most High. These guys get to thinking in their mind, I'm so important that this church needs me. All the time, mm. and Satan deceives them into thinking that they can't for a moment be away, or it won't make it. They can't for a moment take a break, or something's going to fall apart. It's a trap, and so that wrong mindset. People love that. People there's people in the church that love that. I've had I had a woman come up to me one time, and she said, uh, "You know, we just have the greatest pastor in the world." He's always there for me. And I looked at her and I said, That's not the greatest pastor in the world. That's the worst pastor in the world. There is no way you can, quote, always be there for everybody's everything and be, as God told Moses in Exodus chapter 18, Godward. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Obviously, there's a place for loving people and mm-hmm. visiting people and the shepherding care yes absolutely but you're not everybody's everything sir no you're not the messiah jesus is always keep this in mind jesus is the shepherd you're an under shepherd yep he -hmm. can always be with them he's omnipresent he never sleeps. He never slumbers. Jesus can be there 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day counselor, and your job is to point them to that shepherd right. so that they get dependent upon him instead of dependent upon you. Yeah. I don't want anybody dependent upon me. I want to teach you how to study your Bible so you're not dependent upon me. That's right. I want to teach you how to witness and soul win and lead people to Jesus, so you're you're not thinking the pastor's the hired gun. Mm. I want to teach you how to pray so that you're not dependent on my prayer life. I want to teach you how to walk in faith so you're not dependent upon my faith. And I want to teach guys like you, Joshua sitting right there, Joe, all guys younger than me. And look at it, all the young men in our church we have, so that y'all can lead this church. Because there's a day coming, brother, when I won't be here. You know when we hired Kelsey and we hired you and it was a little bit before we hired Joshua we had already hired Joe Amy my second daughter came to me one day and she said dad it's real encouraging to my generation that y'all would be open to hire people our age and I said well Amy y'all are going to be the y'all are the church mm-hmm. and here's the deal it has nothing to do with your age what I'm looking at is do you love Christ are you teachable? Mm. Can you be discipled? Can I train you? Yeah. Because I'm running out of time. So can I can I pour into you confidently knowing that you're going to take what I've taught you and walk it out? Yeah. And, and you're going to do what you've seen. You're going to follow the pattern and the model you've seen. And obviously, God will lead you all to do some unique things that I've never done before cuz I'm not the most creative person in the world and y'all have helped me with that greatly but the standard mm-hmm. will never change and that is the precious word of god yeah and
0: if you're in the business of doing everything for everyone how is that preparing me how is that preparing joe how is that preparing the church to be the church
1: exactly that's exactly it's, right it's more than the pastor yeah it is and I think some guys, too, to be honest with you, goes back to the pride thing. Mm -hmm. I think some guys are – honestly, brother, I think they've just got old-fashioned jealousy. Yeah. I think the old green monster's got a hold on them. And I think that um, they're a little bit intimidated and a little bit afraid that uh, somehow somebody in the church is going to look to somebody other than them Mm -hmm. for ministry. All i got to say is that guy, he's going to – self-destruct. Brother, nothing thrills my heart more than for people to feel confident going to Joe. Mm. I can't field everybody's questions. I'll field as many as I can, Mm -hmm. but I'm just one man. And nothing thrills me more than to see you up in front of the church Sunday night counseling and leading our church as a pastor about procedures and how we do things and how we minister to our children. And how we minister to the families in our church. See, I see that as a direct result of disciple making yep. and, and teaching, and and nothing through. Thrill- and that's part of the joy that I'm talking about. In the early years, you can't see this. Mm-hmm. That's part of the fruit you talked about planting those seeds of now being 57, uh, coming up on 23 years, uh, to where now there are all kinds of leaders. Around me, Mm -hmm. pulling on that plow, and it's made my job so much easier, so much more rewarding. To know that it's not all dependent upon me, thank God. And you've said this uh, publicly
0: as well as privately, like you just did a moment ago. um, But as a pastor and as a parent, you've admitted to blowing it, you know, in raising your kids, no doubt. and given prime examples of that different times yeah. um, to us as a body and then you know to us as individual men and, uh, and women. Um, yep. But I believe that your example that you've set for us in balancing that, that has been godly, has been God-honoring, has been holy and right. Um, because as I look at your family, your daughters – are all here in our church, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Emily, right? Uh, because she lives in Nashville, right? Um, but Amy, and Julie, Ashley, and though Nathan is you know not mm-hmm. a member of our church, he comes, sure, uh, and is here. Different, and we times. have a great relationship with yeah. him.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, brother, this is not something that maybe is in the corpus of what we'd plan to talk about here, but it's so appropriate for me to say this, and that is. As a Christian, and how much more as a pastor, but as a Christian, if you walk with Jesus, you're going to learn how to be a good repenter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've blown it. I've been a great sinner, but I've learned to be a great repenter. And thank God, God allows us – he wants us to be good repenters. And so through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have that ability to repent, you know, A hundred times a day. Mm. Just man falls seven times, but he rises up again. And I'd say that's been the story of my journey. I'm a just man, justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, There's been a lot of falls along the way, but the Lord's been faithful to let me rise up again and press on for him. And that's, you can't fake that. Right. You can't.
0: And I think if you did fake it, we as a church wouldn't see. And it's not that the girls and their husbands and their kids are here because they have to be. They want to be here. They love Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church, even though they've seen some of the battles that you and Kayla had to go through and some of the struggles because our church was in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. But because of uh, the genuineness and your love for Christ and your love for the church, they love Christ and they love the church.
1: Man, that's such a good thing to say, brother. I'm glad you said that, uh, because what I want to say is the most liberating thing, the most freeing thing is not to be fake. Mm. It's so liberating to just be who you are. Now, I I may be a knucklehead sometimes and have <laughs> dumb jokes and and not be – one guy told me down in Alabama at my former church, he said, man, you're just vanilla, you know. And another brother heard him say that, and he came up behind him after I preached one day. He said, man, you're just vanilla. You just do the same thing over and over again. And a, a guy heard him say this guy's name was Mitch, one of our deacons down there, Mitch Allen. And he came up. and He said, "Hey, Pastor, thank you for those two big scoops of vanilla." <laughs> he said, "I love vanilla, you know. So I may be kind of vanilla, but I'll say this, brother, I'm the same vanilla at home as I am here. Mm. And there's no double life. There's no we don't try to put on or be fake or phony. And it's so liberating to just be who you are under Jesus, and uh, just uh, love Him and love others." And uh, not have anything to hide, you know. Amen. That'd be a miserable thing uh, to be having skeletons in the closet and Mm -hmm. things to hide. And um, I'd just say to the young preacher, man, be pure, be clean, live holy as Christ is holy. Amen.
0: And that was a lesson. You talk about mentors, Mm -hmm. and you taught us that from the pulpit just a few weeks ago that that was a lesson Mm
1: -hmm. one of your mentors taught you very early on. That's right. Absolutely, brother. There's just no substitute for purity. Mm. There's just no substitute for for holiness, and uh, no substitute for just walking clean before the Lord. Yeah.
0: Well, as a young pastor, Paul exhorted Timothy, "Let no one look down on your youthfulness." Yeah. And and though that's going to happen regardless, but it's a lot harder for that to happen when their speech, conduct, love,
1: faith, purity. Uh, Are right before the Lord, and the key word there is be an example. Mm -hmm. No one will look down on your youth if you're an example, Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important for you to have examples above you to look to that can show you the example of what you're supposed to be. And you, Paul said one time, look on us. Mm -hmm. In other words, follow our example. Look at what we're doing. You know, and a man may be young. But what will buy him some chips is if people see genuineness and authenticity mm. and love for Christ and love for the scriptures. Yeah, And that, you know, when I think about my
0: own ministry, uh, one of our questions here talks about pressures and stresses yeah. on a young pastor. And it's there, and those are, those are real. And even though I'm in a healthy church yeah. uh, as an associate pastor, I, I get to lean on you, my senior pastor, and mm-hmm. Joe, all the time for counsel. There's still just – there's pressure um, there's stress that comes along with that, um, even as we walk clean and pure before the <clears> Lord. So what are some some ways that you know myself and the other young pastors that are listening and really all of us can remain vibrant in our faith and growing,
1: maturing, not burning out? Yeah. Well, not to reduplicate what I've already said, but it's so important to have a brother that you love and trust, a mentor that you can go to and unpack and unburden your heart. But I want to say this, early on I didn't have that. And Jesus was enough, brother, to come before him and as the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And brother, I would just come before the Lord and I would roll my burdens over on him. And uh, I would just take them to the Lord like the old hymn says and leave them there. And Christ proved to be enough. Mm -hmm. Um, He would give me soundness of mind. He would give me soundness of heart. In the early days here, I didn't have anybody that I could trust. Uh, It it seemed like everybody was gunning and jockeying for position, and a lot of impure motives were at, at work, and there was just no one that I could look to. But I look to Jesus, and that's what Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Mm-hmm. And every time I would look to Christ and see that he endured the cross and despised the shame, it would give me the courage to endure my cross mm-hmm. and take it up and to endure the shame. And there is shame that comes mm-hmm. along with it and reproach that people put on you for being a cross bearer. Man, in those times with the Lord, in those times of prayer, in those times of Bible study, I would particularly spend a lot of time in the Psalms, because David, just like Psalm 119 this morning, morning. brother, he's just, I'm afflicted, and there are those who pursue me. God, don't let me be overcome with iniquities. Mm. Lord don't let me go in the paths that my enemies are going in. Don't let me be like them. You can learn as much from a bad example as you do a good example. Mm -hmm. You learn from a bad example what not to do. You learn from a good example what to do. And I see that in David's life, and I would just get up in the mornings, and the Lord would direct me to the Psalms, and I would read those, and it would just be such a comfort to my heart how that David was under such a continual weight and a continual affliction. But the Lord sustained him, Mm -hmm. and the Lord protected him, and the Lord gave him another day, and another day, and another day. And through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. And it's through those that God makes us who we are. David said, it's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Mm -hmm. God teaches us things through brokenness, heartache, pain, disappointment, that that no other opportunity affords. It seems like he has our attention and he has our heart more in those seasons than any other. It's sad that it takes that sometimes, mm-hmm. but the Lord uses those times to draw us closer to That's himself. Right. That's
0: right. Paul said in Second Corinthians four uh, verse eighteen, look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are unseen. Right. Not those that are temporal but those that are eternal, and Amen. Christ is eternal. Amen, brother. And after describing some of the hardships in his ministry, that's that's the verse he ends that yep. that section uh, with. And you've modeled that for us. Yep. I, you've modeled that for me. As Paige and I have walked through uh, the last couple months, just some hard seasons, yep. yes, uh, just sir. keeping our eyes on Christ. and um, So important because as I'm not just trying to minister to my wife, I'm trying yep. to minister to church. Yes, and, and it's it's heavy at times,
1: uh, but like you said, leading us off this morning, a new day. Amen, brother. Amen. And it's so important, you know, that you do because we give, 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 give. We're mm-hmm. giving all the time, and Jesus was. People were touching him, people were grabbing him, people, the crowds were pressing in on him. Mm-hmm. But Jesus took those times to retreat, yep. got away to the mountain, and get recharged and revived and <clears throat> rejuvenated mm-hmm. in His Spirit by spending time with the Father. And you can't neglect that mm-hmm. because ministry is demanding, and we are giving, and sometimes I'll come home in the evening and think, man, wow, <laughs> I am spent. Mm-hmm. I am just mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally spent, especially in those early years when you're facing just unbelievable warfare. Mm-hmm. It's so important to draw from Christ and draw mm-hmm. from the well of Jesus and be replenished in your spirit and in your soul. Yeah, and speaking from personal
0: experience I, i'm 30 i'm before COVID. i was full of energy i'm getting mm-hmm. back there uh but just full of energy i mean i've in, in the prime of my life i mm-hmm. feel like um can feel like i can conquer mountains right at times but right. you have always told me take thursday off amen, take, take your off day amen and at, at times that's a struggle for me yeah. because i have so much work to do and I have the energy to do it, um, but you've just constantly held that firmly. front me. Why is that so important, even
1: when you're 30 or when you're 35? Well, again, I think it can be pride because we think we're indestructible. Mm-hmm. We, think, uh, we think we can handle it. It won't matter if I just miss this off day. And next week, well, it won't matter if I just miss this off day. Mm-hmm. And next week, well, it won't matter if I miss this off day. Brother, the common, most recurring problem that I encounter with pastors is they will not take their days off. And it doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't make you more holy. As a matter of fact, it makes you more of a candidate for a fall. Mm -hmm. And I'm as zealous about that as I am all the other truth in the Bible. We have to be balanced. We're not Superman. We're not men of steel. Um, We are men of flesh, and we need rest and Jesus made us that way and he gave us the sabbath principle. Yeah. He wrote that into the law and I think it's still a good pattern to follow that the Lord himself rested from his labor. He's our father and he laid that example down for us even though he needs no rest. Mm. But boy we sure do. Yeah. And and so you have to pace yourself. This is a marathon we're in, not a sprint. Yeah. It's a very, very long race. And you had to train for that Ironman you just mm-hmm. recently did. And you don't go out there and blow all your energy on the swimming part. Nope. You don't blow all your energy on the cycling part. you got to save some for the run. Uh, and in this long journey we're on, this there's going to be some – Swim, and there's going to be some cycle, and there's going to be some running matches. And you have to pace yourself. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is if you're taking in the right nutrition, yeah. right hydration, right rest and sleep. And guys that overlook those things are the guys that crash and burn. That's right. And we've seen it. We've seen it so many times.
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for your example in that. And, uh, and it's, I think, proven true in your life to where you are. Yeah. 57 years old but still I, I can't keep up with them on a bike
1: <laughs> well i've been blessed and i you know i still have a lot of energy but i do think some of it is due to exercising and mm-hmm. um you know and uh taking those breaks and uh, taking the mental breaks yeah uh, i'm not one of these guys i'm just gonna throw this out there but i'm not one of these guys that that you know takes commentaries with me to the tree stand when I deer hunt um, I don't read books. I'm hunting. I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm waiting for a deer to step out. I'm all in. And I do meditate and reflect. I do that some on my bike rides, but I've kind of had to learn it's okay to just detach. It's okay to just, you know, let your mind and heart and spirit rest. Mm-hmm. The spirit's still going to commune with you, he's still going to bring things to your remembrance, he's still going to put thoughts in your mind to think on and ponder. But you just need those seasons like Jesus to where you come apart and just rest and recline on the Father's breast for a while and and just be healed. Mm-hmm. So important. Amen. Well, as we
0: uh, kind of come to a close here, there's one last question I uh, wanted to ask you, Pastor. Um, and so important, you know, when we talk about counsel for a young pastor, uh, there's counsel that – Church needs to hear for uh, their young pastor, and so how can a local church help their pastor in the early years, early days of of him and his ministry?
1: Well, man, I feel exasperated to and overwhelmed to because churches are so unhealthy. Usually, the first church that a man goes to is just. Almost without exception, a very unhealthy experience. There's so many wrong mindsets. So, man, we need to dedicate a whole podcast just to that. Help me remember that, yes, sir. But I, I would just say this I, I would just say to anyone listening your pastor's not your savior. Jesus is your savior. Your pastor's a man. Now, he's saved and he's called, but he's just a man. And you can't look to him as your savior. You've got to look to Jesus. Don't have unrealistic expectations about what this man can do. Uh, he's got feet of clay. Uh, he hurts like you hurt. He gets discouraged like you get discouraged. He has flesh like you have flesh. He has besetting sins that he has to battle just like you do. And it's he's involved in the same war you're involved in. He's having to deny himself and take up his cross daily just like you do. And what I would say would be this, love your pastor. Mm. Be loving to him. Extend to him the same grace that God extends to you. Be forgiving. And the other thing I'd say is this, and all I just my heart just begs God that maybe somebody out there is listening to this, be that older brother for your young pastor, not the older, snooping, busybody, Trying to find out stuff, trying to get the upper hand. Be the wiser, older brother that comes alongside your young pastor and say, "Brother, I just want to let you know I love you. I'm with you. I'm here to help you. I know it may take you a while to learn that you can trust me, but I'm. I want just to let you know that that I want to be that person that you know. Pr- I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray with you, and um, you know, I, I, I." want you to know that I'm the kind of person that you can talk to and I'll help you uh, and love him and help him. And when your pastor asks you to do something, joyfully do it. Mm. You know, obviously not anything that's not biblical, but if he asks you to do something that's in keeping with the Word of God, joyfully follow. Hebrews 13, 7, 17, and 24 talk about following your pastor. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with grief, mm. because that's unprofitable for you. When your pastor's heart is constantly racked with grief and constantly racked with remorse, it's unprofitable to you. He, he, the energy that he could spend on preaching and pastoring and shepherding, he's having to spend on damage control. Mm-hmm. So love your pastor. Be there for him. Look, be a Barnabas to him. Be a son of consolation. Be an encourager. Speak encouraging words to your pastor. Build him up. Don't tear him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, love him. Communicate you love him. And here's the thing. In those early years, $100 might not mean much to you, but $100 be like 1000 to your pastor. $1,000 may not be much to you, but $1,000 be like $100,000 to your pastor. Give Give, give, give to him. Paul says those of you that have been blessed share, and that word share means give of your material blessings. Mm. Uh, take your pastor out to eat, or give him enough to where he can take the family out to eat on Sunday. When your pastor loads up to go on vacation, give him two or $300, or, or some of you guys listening could give him a 1000 and just say, Pastor, we want you to go on vacation, take your kids to the water slide, eat out at a good restaurant, don't worry about it, here's a little bit of extra money. Mm. Um, you know, from time to time, when God blesses you and your business with a bonus, bless your pastor. Mm. Um, t- give it, When when back-to-school rolls around and your wife, his pastor's wife's trying to figure out how in the world am I going to buy back-to-school clothes for these kids, uh, give the pastor's wife $500 or $1,000 and say, hey, man, and by the way, $1,000 ain't going to buy a lot of clothes. Not nowadays. anymore. You know, one, uh, t- you take a family of five to Kohl's. You're gonna get each of them a couple of pair of blue jeans, a couple of shirts, and maybe a couple of pair of shoes, and you're done. <laughs> yep. Even at Walmart. Even at Walmart, and, and it's it's so just commun- You know, the King James version use, uses the word communicate. Communicate with those. Give to them. Mm. Um, love them. Show them in, in, with your words and your deeds. Be that one person in the church that's sensitive. To the needs of your pastor and be financially giving and supporting because, probably more than likely, in the first church, he's not being adequately paid. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about that sometime, too. Yep.
0: Yep. My two key takeaways from that forgiving and giving. Amen, brother. Be forgiving and giving towards your pastor, compassionate. Amen. Amen. Uh, I just want to encourage all of our listeners, um, so many of our Principles that uh, were brought out today by Brother Jono um, are from Scripture. I mean, right out of Scripture. Uh, and our pastor recently, uh, in the last couple of years, has preached through First and Second Timothy. And I just want to encourage you to go to our website, um, listen to those sermons. If there's a sermon you want a manuscript, do not hesitate to reach out to him or to us. He's always uh, open and willing to share those and. Uh, hopefully, we'll have the commentaries done for those very quickly. Um, so those can be a great resource to you. But uh, Brother John, I just want to personally thank you for walking these things out for me in the early years of my uh, ministry here at Shelbyville Mills, um, in preparing me for the road ahead, whatever God has in store for me, but and not just for me, but for all the men that you've helped along the, the years and are continuing to help. So thank you,
1: Pastor. It's the joy of my life, brother. Amen. It's one of the great joys of my life, and I'm thankful to be able to do that. Amen. Well, we will see you uh, in another week. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother John O's ministry, go to our church website,
0: smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at John O Sims.